Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Burrow trying to keep it going, gets spun down, gets it away, and incomplete. Do not even have to think about it. Pointing to the ring finger. I'm just so happy. I wanted this so bad. I dreamed this, man. I dreamed this, and it's like, it's surreal. Look at this. Look at this, man. This is, I feel amazing. I feel amazing. I feel great. You have not been sucked into a time warp back to February. There's reason to lead the show with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, guy, can we start the show over? You have not been sucked into a time warp back to February. There is a reason for Aaron Donald to be shared with you there, making his comments after they won the Super Bowl, and he should have a good association with seeing Bengals helmets. Bengals helmets means we won the Super Bowl. I don't know what's happened to Aaron Donald between February and August. He no longer has a good association with Bengals helmets. He's incorporating Bengals helmets into some of the funky training routines we've seen from Aaron Donald over the years, Shereen. And we're getting right to it because he got right to it yesterday. I mean, what in the world are you doing, Aaron Donald? What happened to get him blow that kind of a gasket? Not one, but two helmets swung and when you hear the video, you can hear it connect. That helmet hit something. Now, maybe it was just shoulder pad material, but what? I, it's just alarming. And I know we see videos of training camp fights all the time, and we look forward to them. We do. It's yeah. a rubbernecking type of thing. It adds some spice to an otherwise mundane period in the NFL calendar when it's just guys practicing against each other. It's just practice. Who cares? Well, we care when a guy starts swinging fists and or helmets shireen so that was a stunner yesterday afternoon and obviously we're going to be spending some time breaking down what happens next in the aftermath of a pretty egregious you would think violation of the rules whatever the rules may be 
Yeah, Mike, you know, I've attended a ton of these joint practices and you expect them to fight because that's what always happens. And they know what the rules are. They know they're not going to be penalized if they fight. It's a chance to see other guys. It's a chance to fight without any rules, without being punished for breaking any rules. And so we see these all the time, but I don't know if I've ever seen one quite this bad. Maybe it, the Cowboys had one a few years ago, and I can't remember the team, but it got to the side. The Rams. The, started the Rams. To, it, was the, it was the Rams. It was the Rams. Yeah. And the fans kind of started getting involved. I was there for that one, and that one kind of got out of hand, and I would say this one kind of matches that or is worse because Aaron Donald really could have injured somebody badly swinging those helmets the way he was swinging them. Um, and, we, and we saw it with Miles Garrett last year, or two years ago, 2019, uh, in that game that, that he had. And we were worried that someone was going to get hurt. I was really worried someone was going to get seriously injured the way he was swinging those helmets. But apparently everyone came out of it uh, no worse for wear. Well, but, but here's the reality. And there's the Miles Garrett play from November of 2019. He and Mason Rudolph getting into it. The helmet coming off eventually. And then Miles Garrett using the helmet as a weapon and actually making contact at the top of Mason Rudolph's head and somehow not knocking him out cold. That's the most amazing thing. Some people have skulls of granite, and I would say Mason Rudolph does because he took that helmet <laughs> to the top of the head, and he, he didn't even flinch. He was more concerned about where's the flag. Hey, what are you going to do about this? So we know what the NFL did about it when Miles Garrett engaged in that infraction he was suspended for the rest of the season we didn't see him again it was a big deal he was a pariah for a while he has migrated past that he's been a model citizen since then whatever happened that night and there was plenty of discussion about things mason rudolph may have said to precipitate that outburst and that was never really resolved remember there's no field audio of mason rudolph saying anything to Miles Garrett that may have caused that, but that was a big deal. That burned brightly for a while in NFL circles because of the stunning nature of what we saw. And it's exactly what we saw yesterday, even more stunning because it was Aaron Donald, one of the great players in the NFL, with two of the helmets, clearly swinging them violently into a scrum of players. And the reason why something needs to be done, and, and please spare me the... You're just being a hall monitor. You could kill somebody with one of those helmets. You, you could. You hit him the right way, or as the case may be, the wrong way. You could inflict serious injury or death on someone with a football helmet. If you don't believe me, go get a football helmet and see what it feels like in your hands. Feel the weight of a football helmet, how solid it is. You swing that thing, or more specifically, you go acquire the strength of Aaron Donald and swing that thing. I mean, it's one thing for one of us to swing a helmet, and we could do serious damage to someone with a helmet if we swung it at them. You put the power of Aaron Donald into someone's body, and you start windmilling around a football helmet, you could kill someone. It's not hyperbole. And I know people like, like they clown about it, and it's funny. It's, it's not funny when someone gets killed and, or, or seriously injured. I don't want to go too far over the top. I mean, I would be stunned if somebody actually got killed by it, but it, it's within the risks reasonably to be assumed when you start swinging around a helmet with the strength of Aaron Donald. And my point is this, and this is a classic example of how the NFL is reactive and not proactive because the first time one of these incidents happens, Shireen, and somebody does get seriously injured or worse, 
The NFL will react as if this is the worst thing we've ever seen, and we will make major changes immediately to make sure it never happens again. But they won't do it until the bad thing happens. They'll never do it before the bad thing happens. They'll just keep rolling the dice that the bad thing's never going to happen. And then when it happens, oh, we never foresaw this happening. Well, how did you not foresee it? We've seen multiple examples of guys swinging helmets at other guys' heads. We know it could happen. So why not stop it? Why not recognize it for what it is? It is an opportunity, a possibility that a serious injury is going to happen. So we just can't have it. The first time somebody tries to do it, regardless of the outcome, that's when it needs to be nipped in the bud. That's why something needs to be done about this. And hopefully the NFL, hopefully the NFL will figure out a way to do something about it. Because the problem is, and I was told this yesterday, this is the history, this is the practice, this is the procedure. There's no jurisdiction over the players who are involved in joint practices by the league. It falls to the team. So it's Aaron Donald. What's the team going to do, Shereen? They're not going to do anything. Yeah, the only difference between what Aaron Donald did yesterday and what Miles Garrett did, one was in a nationally televised game and one was in a joint practice. And if someone hadn't been filming it, it we, we would never have seen that. We, we would have heard, but video is much more powerful than the words. And all we got was that video yesterday. And that told us really how bad it was. And... You know, they they make these guys wear guardian caps for a while to protect head injuries. Maybe they should have been wearing the guardian caps in joint practices the way he was swinging that thing around. Because, Mike, you're right. If you get hit squarely in the head with that, even with the helmet on, that could do some serious damage. And it's weird to me because you go back to the NFL telling the Washington commanders you can't investigate yourself How do teams in this instance penalize themselves? Because the Rams now have jurisdiction over Aaron Donald. They're not going to suspend Aaron Donald. Maybe they find him. Maybe they make him run some extra laps. Whatever they do, they talk to him. But he's not going to be suspended for any games. And frankly, I think he should be suspended for games. You can't do this. And the NFL could use the personal conduct policy. I mean, if you did this out in public outside the field, what would happen to you? And you got arrested for assault, which is what it is. But if that happened off the field, Mike, they would penalize a guy under the personal conduct policy. So I understand they, they don't legislate during practices that teams have their own practices because guys fight all the time during team practices. I get that. But when it's a joint practice in training camp and we have video, how does a team get to say, well, that's okay. We're all right. We'll talk to him. He'll be okay. Don't the Bengals get some say in this? Hey, you almost killed our guys. You can't be doing this. You get your say in it by never doing practices with the Rams ever again. And this is part of the the decision-making that coaches have to go through. And I would assume that Zach Taylor trusted Sean McVay to have his guys under control and not let something like this happen. And, And here's the... Here's the football coach reality of this. And I'm going to tell a story for something I witnessed when my son was playing. They were doing some sort of a drill. And my son and one of his friends were paired up one-on-one. And something happened and my son got pissed off. And I I know just from the demeanor, I I knew that, that he was mad. And he 
and he was extremely aggressive and crossed the line in the outpour. You know, it just it was a, and it's not like he pulled the guy's helmet off and hit him with it, but you could just tell it was a little it was a little beyond the line. And the coach, while saying everything that he needed to say, was clearly thrilled by what he saw by way of the fire and the passion and the intensity coming from one of his players. So if you're the Rams and you spent some period of time in the offseason thinking that Aaron Donald was going to retire, wondering whether or not Aaron Donald still has a fire burning inside of him, those doubts are erased now. You're happy if you're Sean McVay. Aaron Donald is back. He's ready. This is good. Let's go. Let's bring the Bills to town right now. Because during a game, Aaron Donald is probably not going to blow a gasket that way. You made the point earlier. They know that it's not the same consequence as it is during a game. They know that they're not going to get fined. They know that they're not going to get suspended, especially the star players. Now, if a guy on the fringe of the roster had done this, he'd already be cut. It's the old Jimmy Johnson thing. If the backup long snapper falls asleep in the meeting, he's gone. If it's Troy Aikman, he gets him a pillow. They're getting a pillow for Aaron Donald. They're not going to do anything to Aaron Donald. So um, that's why the NFL needs to step in. And you mentioned the personal conduct policy. When you look at the policy, the language of the policy would apply to this kind of behavior. And, and it's upside down to think that once you cross the white line and you're off the field, you could be suspended by the league for assaulting someone. And again, it's become kind of a, a meme And because Schefter said assault a few years ago and the pardon my take guys like to twist his tail about it. Well, you know what? It is. I know it's funny. I, for some, it depends on your sense of humor. It is assault. And if you did walk up to someone on the street and hit them with a football helmet, you would go to jail. And if you did this away from a football field, you would be subject to a suspension from the NFL. But you do it in a joint practice, and it's not up to the league? I mean, come on. 345 Park Avenue, does that make any damn sense whatsoever as you're trying to figure out what to do about this? Now, we've seen the NFL make up the rules as they go all the time, and this would be an occasion where maybe, maybe you do. Maybe if you're Roger Goodell today, you're saying to your lieutenants, I don't care what we've done in the past. This situation cries out for action. And if they don't like it, they can take it up with the union. And the union can take it up with an arbitrator. We can go to Judge Sue L. Robinson and let her watch this tape and let her decide whether or not this is something for which punishment should be imposed. The rules were one thing. Well, now we're changing the rules because I don't care that Aaron Donald didn't think he'd be subject to the personal conduct policy. He is. And we're going to push this forward and we're going to make this change now. They could do that if they wanted. And the only risk they're taking is they lose through the arbitration process. But in the process, they make sure everyone knows we're not going to tolerate this. So I I really am hoping. And and if we're going to treat everyone fairly and equally, we, we shouldn't care that it's Aaron Donald. There should be a consequence for this kind of action. There should be. How can there not be? How, you know, in, in this modern civilization that we live in, where there are a lot of blurred lines and nobody knows what's right or wrong or up or down or true or false, I'd like to think we can all get behind the idea that what happened yesterday, number one, should not have happened, and number two, there should be a real consequence for it.
Yeah, Mike, I, I will start with I think Aaron Donald, regardless of position, is the greatest player in the NFL. And I put him right there, maybe a notch below Lawrence Taylor on the list of greatest defensive players of all time. He's that good. But you made the mention of the Rams know he's not going to blow up in games. It's exactly what Aaron Donald does. Twice last year, he choked players. If you remember, he choked Lucas Patrick in one game and DJ Humphreys in another, and he ripped off DJ Humphreys' helmet, and he didn't swing it at him. At least he had that much control in games, but he's done it before. Remember the meltdown he had in 2016 when he threw off his helmet and he was ejected from the game. He pulled off Quentin Patton's helmet. I mean, this is exactly the kind of thing. There it is. This is exactly the kind of thing Aaron Donald does in games. And I think it's the thing, one of the things that makes him so great is that passion and that anger and that fire that he has. And he gets angry and and all of that makes him Aaron Donald. But sometimes he gets out of control. He's had 11 fines over the last seven seasons. $178,000. So this is part of a pattern for Aaron Donald. And at some point, somebody's got to sit him down and say, there's just certain things that you can't do on the football field. And we saw it get totally out of hand yesterday, Mike. So if I'm the Rams, I am concerned that this could bleed over into a game because I've seen this behavior before in games, including twice last year. It's funny because when my son texted me the video yesterday afternoon, he made a comment along the lines of what you're saying, that he's always doing it. And I have it in my head that he's not, but I stand corrected. My son's right. You're right. The B-roll doesn't lie. He does this stuff. We haven't seen him do it to the Miles Garrett extreme in a game. But you know what? If you don't do something about it, that, that that's how punishment works. Get that's how consequences work. If someone thinks, I don't know, we, I don't know if we're seeing this currently play out in public life, but if someone constantly gets away with something, they keep doing it and they keep doing it and they keep doing more. If there's going to be no punishment, you push the boundaries as far as you can. And then when you finally are punished, you look back on everything you've done and you say, man, I, I, <laughs> that, that punishment barely fits all the crap that I've done. So that's why the NFL needs to do something. Now, the NFL can, and I wrote this last night, they can take action against the Rams if they believe the Rams failed to exercise proper control. And this is one of those situations where you look at it and you say, the outcome would seem to suggest you may have failed to exercise proper control. So hopefully at a minimum, the NFL takes serious action against the Rams. I mean, if, if they're going to get bent out of shape over the Dolphins tampering with Tom Brady, I'd like to think that the NFL will have a strong reaction to Aaron Donald swinging helmets, two helmets, at members of the Cincinnati Bengals, at least two of whom were not wearing their helmets at the time by virtue of the fact that Aaron Donald had them in his possession. So let's see how this plays out because the initial word from the league, we can't do anything about it. Okay, that was yesterday. Today... When the sheriff shows up for work and, as he should, starts asking tough questions to all the people who are telling him, oh, we can't do anything about this, sir. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. We have a pattern in practice that we must respect. That's when it's time for the sheriff to take action and screw the consequences. And I don't mean that. <laughs> that doesn't apply across the board. 
when you're trying to fashion real consequences for this kind of conduct, who cares what happens if the union pitches a fit? Who cares what happens if you lose in an arbitration later? At least you stood up for what you thought was the right thing. And here we are eight days after the league backed off on Deshaun Watson. And I wouldn't be surprised to find out that maybe some people at the very top of the food chain at 345 Park Avenue didn't want to back off. Sometimes you just have to say, I don't care if someone else is ultimately going to tell me you can't do this. I can at least try. And sometimes the effort sends the message that resonates even if the effort isn't ultimately successful. And I hope that's what the league does today. Well, and I do too, Mike. And I was surprised by Zach Taylor's reaction afterward. It's He said it got a little scuffly, and so we just called it. And they called it like three plays early, earlier than it was supposed to be called. But there were some incidents before that, including with Lyle Collins uh, through, a Rams hel- or through a Rams helmet at one point, I think. But we don't have any video of that, so it doesn't sound as bad as maybe what it was. But to me, it was more than just a little scuffle. I mean, this was an all-out brawl that could have gotten somebody seriously injured and it's a type it's of a thing dust that up. you would think the league yeah it was a y- dust exactly up. you you would think the league would want to prevent this in the future and the way to do that obviously is to say we're not going to tolerate this anymore we can't have this we're going to make a stand and, and if you're going to make a stand this is the one to do it on mike we have the video it's clear it's clear this shouldn't have happened it's clear it shouldn't happen again and the only way to make sure it doesn't happen again is to impose some kind of penalty either on the Rams or on Aaron Donald or both however you want to do it but you've got to make a case here of we are not going to tolerate this you can't go have joint practices and just take helmets and start swinging them at people around any corner within every battle and with the dawn of each new day the threat of the unexpected the unpredictable and the unrelenting lies in wait but Marines will always be there They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. It may have been Lyle Collins throwing the helmet that activated the citizen journalists who started putting the phones up to see what could happen next. So maybe the Collins thing helped preserve and create the video of Aaron Donald. Here's video and audio of Sean McVay, the Rams head coach, and Zach Taylor, the Bengals head coach, talking about the fight that marred yesterday's joint session. All right, so, you know, the first thing I would say is we did get a bunch of good work against these guys over two days. Um, Missed a little bit at the end. Thing I'm glad about, I I don't know exactly what instigated it. Uh, I think in some instances, you know, teams defending each other and, Fortunately, my understanding is nobody got hurt, and we'll move on from it. So um, not going to make a bigger deal than what it is. Not going to look at point fingers on who did what. Uh, but I think just like Zach would say, I expect our guys to defend their teammates, vice versa. There are certain things you, you just don't know exactly what occurred. But I am glad that my understanding is nobody got injured, and that's the most important thing. And we'll move on, and we'll look at we got enough stuff done to be able to evaluate it. Just got a little scuffly. And so we just called it. We were in the last period, and we, we got two really good days of work in. And um, So was it worth getting the extra couple of plays? No. So we called it up, and, and uh, we got two good days of work in, and now we'll go play on Saturday. No, guys, emotions run high. You've been working together for two days now, and, and that's just some really competitive guys getting into it a little bit. Oh, I still hear the audio. 
All right. The audio is gone now. Um, and I'm glad it's gone because that that's inexcusable. They're, they're enabling this kind of behavior. And from Sean McVay's ex- uh, perspective, what, what do we expect? What, what, what do we expect? Well, let's not point fingers. No, because we would have to point fingers at one of the greatest players in NFL history. Let's not hold anyone accountable because we'd have to hold Aaron Donald accountable. We, you know, we, we at least nobody got hurt. Hey, at least nobody. So what that nobody got hurt? You're lucky nobody got hurt. Imagine how much worse it would be if somebody got hurt. It's about avoiding the opportunity and the occasion for someone to get hurt. And look, one one of the reasons I don't miss practicing law when you engage in litigation, what you're doing is you are constantly wrestling with the aftermath of some sort of a worst case scenario. Somebody did something dumb and it led to somebody getting seriously injured. You're not you're not in court. There's nothing to fight about. There's no one to sue if something really bad didn't happen. So I spent years connecting behavior to consequence, to what may happen from behavior and part of what you do when you advise people on how to stay out of trouble, you project forward what can this behavior lead to. And it's obvious what this behavior can lead to. And it's not enough to say, nobody got hurt, no harm, no foul. Let's just move forward. Let's not point fingers. Let's not bog down in details. So it doesn't surprise me that Sean McVay reacted the way he did. It's still disappointing. It's it's in character for most football coaches specifically Sean McVay. And Zach Taylor's being way too deferential. Now, behind the scenes, he may have something else to say to Sean McVay. But look, he's not the coach of the Bengals without Sean McVay. He's not going to bite the hand that fed him his head coaching job that has allowed him to have Joe Burrow as his quarterback and a team that will contend for years to come. So he's got a level of gratitude to Sean McVay, and he agreed to go do these practices knowing that Aaron Donald's a bit of a hothead. You, you walked your players into this lion's den. So it's kind of hard for Zach Taylor to say much about it now because once you start asking him questions, the truthful answers eventually are, I, I kind of knew there was you know a chance that Aaron Donald was going to do some of the things we've seen Aaron Donald do in the past. Yeah, and he also said at one point, Mike, that it wasn't a big deal, and I completely and totally disagree with that. I do think it's a big deal, and I do think that the NFL needs to take steps to assure that this doesn't happen again. I will be interested in hearing from Bengals players, in particular Lyle Collins. I love Lyle Collins. I dealt with him for many years. Uh, I think he's going to have some probably great quotes on this if he gets asked about it in in the next few days. Now, it may be one of those things when they don't get to talk to him again for – several days and and they've moved on to the start of the regular season and it becomes an afterthought. But I do think uh, I would like to hear from Lyle Collins. And I also want to hear from Miles Garrett. The next time that Miles Garrett talks, smart guy, he he says what he means. I just think we're going to hear from Miles Garrett on this. And and I want to get his take. I want to get what he thinks about what Aaron Donald did and to escape with this with no penalties. I agree with you that that would be an appropriate topic for Garrett. I think we're more likely to hear from him about it than we are to hear from Lyle Collins anytime soon, because it's just it's it's part of that delicate dance and it's relationship driven. 
That's how they had the joint practices in the first place. That's how they had the preseason game in the first place. There is some discretion that teams have as they line up their preseason opponents. Like Cincinnati's going all the way to L.A. Well, why? Well, I mean, there is that relationship there between McVay and Taylor. And I, I, I was stunned to see the video, and it really is. And I can understand why so many fans who don't follow the league as closely as we do look at this and say, what's the problem here? Why would the NFL not do anything about this? And I hope that's what the commissioner is asking people today. Why can't we do something about this? Why don't we do something about this? And if Aaron Donald, the Rams, and or the union have a problem with it, they can take it up through the appropriate channel. So we'll be monitoring this throughout the day on profootballtalk.com, but it really is a big deal. I don't want to overstate it, but I think it's important to not understate it. It is the kind of thing that could have gotten someone seriously injured. And if you don't stop this behavior now, it's going to happen elsewhere and it's going to keep happening until someone does get seriously injured. And it will have been completely avoidable when it finally does happen. All right. Back to the story that otherwise has been dominating the news cycle in the NFL, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady, who completed his 11-day training camp hiatus earlier this week. I remember saying when Todd Bowles left the door open for Tom Brady to play on Saturday night in Indianapolis, the site of one of his Super Bowl losses, that becomes must-see TV. Well, yeah. it, may, it may be time to turn on the TV. Here's Todd Bowles talking about the importance of seeing Tom Brady on the football field with the starters when he will play on Saturday night. It's important for game continuity. You know, we have some new guys on the O-line. We have some new guys at receiver. So other than having practice together, we need to see them in the game with certain situations and just the flow of it, no matter how long it is, we just need to see it. Yeah, it could be a mess that opening Sunday night of the season. You got the Cowboys offensive line. We'll talk about that in a minute without Tyron Smith. You got the Bucks offensive line that has been ravaged in the middle, and that is the biggest point of vulnerability for Tom Brady. Shereen, I, I'm excited to see Tom Brady play on Saturday night. I'm surprised they've decided to do it, but they got to get him ready. And they have to give – it's kind of – meshes with what I've been saying about Aaron Rodgers not being at OTAs to be around the young receivers. You got to give these young offensive linemen who are replacing starters an opportunity to play in a game knowing that Tom Brady's the guy back there. You got to you got to give them a few reps in that mindset before all of a sudden they're thrown into the fire on opening night. Yeah, that's exactly right, Mike. And and Tom Brady likes playing in the preseason. He's done it every year he's been healthy. The only year he didn't do it was 2008. He had foot and ankle injuries that kept him out that preseason. Even last year, that first preseason game, he, he only played six snaps, but he did play some. And I remember back when he was with the Patriots, he'd, he'd sometimes play that fourth preseason game when most starting quarterbacks were sitting down. He was up there playing at least one series to get ready. He likes playing in the games. He likes getting ready. I think this one may be more important than others because he was gone 11 days, because he hasn't had work with Julio Jones in a game at all, because he hasn't had work with the new center, Robert Hainsey, in a game, because he hasn't had work with the new left guard, whoever that's going to be. The competition's still on going there, but Luke Geike will get the first chance Saturday night. And he also has new weapons, by the way, in Russell Gage and Kyle Rudolph. So I think this is a really important thing for Tom Brady to at least get in there, at least get a series. He's not going to play long. I'd be really surprised if he did. 
But just to get the feel of, of game action again and get the feel of what those receivers and how that offensive line's going to hold up and all of those things. So this is an important game, I think, for Tom Brady uh, this week. And probably the most game that we want to most watch because I want to see how he does. Oh, absolutely. And that's what's so weird about this preseason finale, the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, where the games are spread out. You don't know which starters are going to play. You don't know which starters aren't going to play. Teams have different objectives and agendas. It, it lacks a rhythm yet that is predictable, and it may never have a predictable rhythm with three preseason games. And I, I still think it's a, a temporary arrangement. It's just a matter of time before we get to 18 and two preseason games, and then who knows how two preseason games will be handled by the various head coaches. Now, we mentioned the Tyron Smith situation he will have knee surgery, and he is out at least until December. An avulsion fracture of his left knee, an injury similar to the one suffered by Mekhi Becton, the Jets' right tackle, earlier in camp. There isn't a whole lot that the Cowboys can do, Shereen. And you've been on this from the get-go. It just feels like Tyler Smith, the first-round pick, is going to be kicked out to left tackle, even though he shows up nowhere on the left tackle depth chart. At least he didn't as of yesterday. He was in a battle to be the starting left guard. It looks like Tyler Smith is going to be the guy. And you just you hope for the best. It's not like there's – you know, uh, I, I said this yesterday. In, in Pittsburgh, they were fretting about the offensive line and what do you do to make it better. Well, there isn't much you can do because good offensive linemen are not going to be available. Alex Leatherwood may be available. And, again, good offensive linemen aren't going to be available. Their, their teams will keep them. So good luck to the Dallas Cowboys. They're just going to have to go forward. It's next man up. And they've seen that in recent years. That offensive line has been a patchwork just because guys get injured, guys get injured, guys get injured. It's, 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 a, it's a position that is prone to players getting injured, and we've seen plenty of them with the Cowboys on the offensive line in recent years. Yeah, you know, the, the last three left guards that they've had that they've drafted in, in Connor Williams and Lyle Collins, they didn't draft Lyle Collins, but they got him. Uh, as an undrafted free agent, long story there. But And then now Tyler Smith. They were all left tackles in college. And so they drafted Tyler Smith, looking at him as a replacement for Tyron Smith. They just didn't expect it to happen this soon. And if you remember, after drafting Tyler Smith, Jerry used, I think it was Jerry, used the term tread on the tires. And he said, Tyron Smith, we think he has a lot of tread on the tires. That tread's getting really worn. He's only 31 years old, but when he came into the league, he was the youngest player to come into the league. He was 20 years old. He's played a long time. He's had back injuries. He's had neck injuries. And now he has this knee avulsion that he's going to have surgery on today. So they should have seen this coming. Now, I think they mismanaged the offseason a little bit. They, they cut Lyle Collins, who ended up on the Bengals, who we just talked about being in that practice fight. But they cut him, and they now have no depth on that offensive line. I have no idea who's going to be their swing tackle. And I think they're okay if they don't have any injuries on the offensive line. But how many times, Mike, has an offensive line gone through a season and not had an injury at some point? Now, it may be a short-term injury, but we almost always see offensive lines have injuries at some point that they have to navigate. And if the Cowboys have one, I'm telling you right now, they're in big, big trouble. I think they're okay if they can keep them healthy, but Tyler Smith is, is going to get a quick lesson in playing left tackle. He did it a little bit in like the rookie mini camp and a few of the all-season practices, but since training camp has started, Mike, he's been in there at left guard. He's taken no snaps at left tackle. 
So they've, they've got a couple weeks now to get him ready. So it's going to be interesting to see how he performs in that first game. It's amazing the things the teams do to delude themselves during the seven months of zero and zero. And look, we spend the entire offseason talking about which teams are going to be good, which teams are going to be not good, are the changes that they've made going to make them better, are they going to be worse, whatever. And we don't factor in the reality that guys are going to get injured. And I just wonder how much – and I know the teams – it's like we can't control it, but the reality is you know it's going to happen. And – if you're the Cowboys, you know you've got a recent history of guys getting injured on your offensive line. So what is your plan? Throwing Lael Collins overboard, in hindsight, maybe not a good idea. Throwing Amari Cooper overboard, in hindsight, maybe not a good idea. And you really do put yourself in a position where your depth has to come from young players who will step up and perform without a lot of preparation. So as you said, if Tyler Smith becomes the left tackle, they got two weeks to get him ready. And we'll see where it goes from there. Here's Dak Prescott, Cowboys quarterback on the Tyron Smith injury from comments at the Cowboys season kickoff event. Uh, obviously, uh, sad for Tyron, sad for the team, sad for just knowing, um, yeah, just the time that he's going to miss, the time that we're going to miss him. But uh, just got all the belief in he'll come back a better player. Um, he'll come back stronger. And I uh, just wish him the best and the speediest recovery. It's a very unfortunate moment, however, uh, Seven years ago, honestly, uh, to this day, right, Some, something big happened and I was able to step in. And so um, you, you just got to be positive about everything. You just got to move forward in that sense and in that manner, controlling things that you can control. And that's for us is to uh, get the next guy and the next man up ready to play. That's what you have to do. You have no choice. You can't just say we're going to yeah. throw in the towel before we even get to week one. That's part of the... The reality of football, we just have to go forward. We have to go forward. And it did work out when Tony Romo went down and Dak Prescott entered. But you can't rely on every rookie who's called upon to enter the starting lineup, especially in a position where he hasn't been practicing, and get it done. So this is a complication for the Cowboys. And as I said earlier, when you look at the Cowboys offensive line, the Buccaneers offensive line, you may want to bet the under if you are so inclined to make such wagers as the week one Sunday night game approaches. There may not be a whole lot of points being scored if the offensive lines can't provide the protection that the quarterbacks need. I wanted to hear Dak Prescott say, well, thank God it's not Chaz Green, because if you remember back when Chaz Green had replaced Tyron Smith and that game against the Falcons, it did not go very well for Dak Prescott. So I think Tyler Smith will be better. I will guarantee that Tyler Smith will be better day one than Chaz Green was. I think Ever I would was. be better. I think I would be better at left tackle. So we've set a very low bar from that example. But but you're right. Excellent point. Because how many times did he get sacked that day? Nine? Yeah, it was a lot. It was some ridiculous yeah, number like that. that. And they all came around that that edge. Um, one one opportunity for the Cowboys. And I, 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 I just I, – this is one of those <laughs> – Andrew Whitworth, God love him. He's learning the hard way as he transitions from football player to person who talks about football on TV that your words matter, that precision matters. He was on the Amazon Prime video coverage last night as a member of the pregame show, and then there was a sideline interview with Andrew Whitworth, and the folks at Blogging the Boys grabbed the video of the sideline interview and posted it, you saw it, you wrote about it, 
clear impression created by Andrew Whitworth that he has heard from the Cowboys. Clear impression. Andrew Whitworth responded overnight on Twitter, that's not what I said. And then he tried to say something that he he also didn't say. And I found the exchange from the pregame show where Andrew Whitworth talks about the Cowboys and the way that the context unfolded, the way the questions were asked. He was clearly implying that he had heard from the Cowboys. Now he's just trying to say, I've gotten calls and texts from people all day begging me to go to the Cowboys, but not from the Cowboys. And look, at at best, he was trying to maybe puff things up a little bit and make some, you know, hey, hey, we we want some good TV. You know, hey, use that line about, don't call me, call my wife. Oh, use that, because he said that like two times. Like that that was his go-to. And I could just hear that the, as they're sounding out what they're going to say in the production meeting, oh, that's a go- oh yeah, use that. Like, oh, yeah, that's funny, yeah. Well, okay, fine, but you created the impression the Cowboys called. And he did. He clearly created the impression yeah. the Cowboys called. And it's on him to use his words carefully and specifically. He no longer gets the athlete dispensation. Well, you know, he doesn't talk for a living. He just plays football. So why are we being so demanding about what he says and how he says it. Now we're going to be demanding, Andrew, about what you say and how you say it because you're in the media. And you created the impression that the Cowboys called. And Shereen, one of the reasons he may be putting the toothpaste back in the toothpaste holder is because it would be blatant tampering for the Cowboys to call him. And maybe someone told him, oh, hey, maybe, maybe, maybe one of the people we heard from yesterday called him after he said what he said and said, no, 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 you can't say that. You can't create the impression that we called you or we're going to get the Stephen Ross treatment from the league office. Well, and he said in his tweet, not what I said. It is what he said. It's not what he meant. And he didn't say it correctly. He did. He should have said, if that's the case, friends and family are trying to talk me to come back, especially after they saw the tyrants. That's not what he said. He creates the impression that the Cowboys called him. That's what I took from it. Cowboys Twitter blew up after blogging the boys put that out. It blew up. So that's when I was prompted to write something about it because everyone's like, oh, my gosh, they're going after this 40-year-old guy to try to play left tackle. So that means they must want – Tyler Smith to play left guard. And it, and it was kind of surprising to me because I did think they had Tyler Smith that they wanted to play left tackle, and I still think that. And so obviously that's not what happened, Mike, that the Cowboys didn't call him. But he's got to be clear. There's no Gary Klein to follow up and say, whoa, 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 hold on just a minute. Do you mean to say that the Cowboys called you? Is that what you're saying? And at that point he could have clarified, but when, when you're on TV and you're do, working for a TV network, there is nobody to have a follow-up question to clarify it. You've got to clarify it yourself. And the pregame comments, and we've got the full text of what was said and the context and how it unfolded at PFT. It was even more clear in the pregame comments that he was suggesting the Cowboys have called. And again, it may make for good TV, but when it hits the fan, you can't, you can't say, that's not what I said. It is what you said. And whatever your purpose for saying it, it doesn't matter. It's what you said, and you have to own your words. And it's on you to find a platform to explain them, whether it's Twitter or somewhere else. But the way you explain them isn't to say, I didn't say that. You did say that. And you knew what you were doing. 
and you created the impression that the Cowboys had been calling you. And you shouldn't have done it if that's not what happened. So quick lesson for Andrew Whitworth. Welcome to the media. Maybe he'll be calling the Cowboys today after <laughs> that experience, recognizing that it, it, it is a little more delicate and a little more difficult when you have to rely upon your vocal cords and your brain to work in sync and convey the messages that you mean to convey and nothing more because people will hear what you said, they'll react to what you said, they'll spit back to you what you said, and then you have to just own it. You can't say, I didn't say it, because there's always tape of it. And we have the tape, we've typed it up, and he said what he said. So it'll, I, I, I don't think he's coming back, but I wouldn't I, – Shereen, look, you know the Cowboys as well as anyone. I've been around long enough to have a pretty good idea that even with the Dolphins losing a first-round pick and a third-round pick for rampant tampering with Tom Brady, even with Stephen Ross suspended for the first six games of the regular season for tampering with Tom Brady and Sean Payton, who Jerry Jones has already tampered with in the past, even with the commissioner telling all the owners when they met in Minnesota to approve the sale of the Broncos, no more of this crap, at least not in the short term. That's not going to stop. Jerry Jones, who wants his glory, who wants that championship, who knows he's got a serious problem at left tackle, that's not going to stop him from trying to get Andrew Whitworth if, he, if there's a way to get Andrew Whitworth. Do you think worrying about tampering is going to stop Jerry Jones from doing anything? Hell no. Hell no. So I suspect they did call him yesterday. And I can understand why Andrew Whitworth recognizes now the importance of making it look like they didn't. Yeah, and, and maybe they did. Who knows how this thing played out, but yeah, it is what he said and it is what he intimated and it is what everyone got out of his quotes. And now he's trying to say that's not what I meant at all. It was people. And who these people are, I don't know. He also intimated, Mike, that it was more than just the Cowboys who have called him, that, that other teams have called him too. So I don't know where Andrew Whitworth is. He did make it sound like he is retired and going to stay retired, but he, you know, He's probably, he and Eric Fisher are the best options out there if you have an injury at left tackle and need a left tackle. The human ego tempts all of us to create the impression that we're more important than we are, that we're in greater demand yeah. than we are. And I think that may have gotten the better of Andrew Whitworth a little bit last night, and it made for some compelling TV. The problem is, if you say it, you've got to own it. And you only make yourself look bad, and you hurt your own credibility when you try to say, I didn't say what you clearly said. Let's go ahead and take a break. A couple of preseason games last night to talk about. Should the 49ers be concerned about the guy they've decided to hand the football to for 2022 and beyond? More PFT Live right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 